This is a Honky Tonk Man, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, and you're listening to The Wrestler Review. Ladies and gentlemen, to prepare to listen to this episode of The Wrestler Review, how about you do some fucking crack? Because the guy we're going to talk about once got smuggled into Canada in uh, the trunk of a car because he wanted to bring his crack with him. Must have been a big old trunk. <laughs> He's fat. Who else was in that car? Jake the Snake Robert. <laughs> you don't understand, Jim. You just smoke it first. Where did they do the crack? In the promoter's basement, because, and I'm quoting, we don't want to bring that shit back to the hotel. What if someone sees us? Jesus, motherfucker. <laughs> wrestlers are wrestlers. We'll just do it in your house. That way, if the cops come, we blame your mom. <laughs> oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, of course, we're doing... The newly deceased Jim the Anvil fucking Nightheart. Do we introduce ourselves? I'm John Hastings. Dylan Gott. Does anyone else think that uh, Natalia Nightheart breathed a sigh of relief when her dad died? Being like, oh, thank fucking God. No, that's the problem is that like <coughs> crack smoking Jim was long gone. Now it was just like check the thermostat five times, Jim. You never watch Total Divas, do you? N- I never have. No. So Total Divas is a quote-unquote reality show. It's for sure not. It's the most, like, it's just basically a sketch comedy show where they use, it's a, it's a TV show with them fucking uh, women wrestlers as the characters, and they just set up scenes and clearly do sketches. But anyway, I, 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 Jim the Anvil Nightheart. I, I assume on Jim that the sh- Anvil Nightheart walks in, drops a hard N with a hard R, and then just walks out again. No, it's legitimately like Jim the Animal Nightheart plays somewhere between Homer Simpson and just like Bob Saget in Full House, where it's like he's just always just doing a something weird. Just homosexual and-, and then Bob Saget from Full House? Nice. No, <laughs> he's like the, the most harmless, dumb. There's a great one where it's like uh, they're for some reason starting a cooking class because they were like, oh, this is a part of the show now. And... This guy comes in, he's like, yeah, I mean, I've been to jail, but whatever. And then Nat- Natty Nightheart goes, oh, you're out. And he goes, hey, everyone makes mistakes. Continue. And uh, <laughs> and, then, and then the guy steals the salt shaker on the way out. And it's just him being like a lovely, nice man. And I really do think that he was the odd person where he was a addicted to crack, also retained all his muscle mass, and still a nice husband, which is insane. He... Are you telling me he's the is most he balanced still of all married the to Ellie Hart? He was still married to Ellie Holy Hart. Holy yeah. sh! I just assumed that ended in See? a shower of See? tears in the middle 90s. Nope. He's just. He's just. He's a lot like. Um, you know what he's a lot like? He's a lot like Bunkhouse Buck, where he just. You ask him questions and he'll only tell you the funny stories. And then sometimes the interview will be like, well, that's a bit over the line. And he and Jim will go, yeah, I guess it is. Because. <laughs> Like, a lot of the bull... If you thought the Dynamite Kid British Bulldog pranks were bad in the WWF, oh, we need to talk about Stampede fucking wrestling. <laughs> oh, the pank- pranks in Stampede wrestling were just like, Dynamite kill- Kid killed you. Pranked you. Oh, if you can hear that noise, I'm I'm eating blueberries. I'm having some blueberries. Ooh. Is that a carb load? Mm, no. Good. No carbs. This is a no-carb podcast, actually. 
Yeah, only lean proteins. I do the caveman diet, which means I'm only eating meat right now because my wife isn't around to monitor my diet. <laughs> <laughs> it's the caveman diet. That's where you eat a bunch of Snickers bars and yell at the moon, right? It's a caveman diet. It's where I'm eating mostly red meat because that's what's on cheap at Aldi. That's where, <laughs> that's where you eat a bunch of arrow bars and yell at the moon. Why is the world turning its lights off? I'm not ready for bed yet. <laughs> Put the light back on, God. All right, Jim the Anvil Nightheart started wrestling with the Hart family in the most Hart family way. He uh, played in the NFL because his friend said he could, and then he there you <laughs> go, buddy. The best. The NFL pre '80s is just like I don't know. You do it. Okay, bye. <laughs> you you look like you look like you could. You could smuggle drugs in your ass. You want to play in the Oakland Raiders? Yeah. <laughs> hey, how well can how well can you mock a man's sideburns? Very well. You cannot play for me. I'm John Madden. <laughs> well, also, I've told you this on this podcast, right? There's a really great uh, scene at the end of the Super Bowl when the Oakland Raiders won, but John Madden was too fat and no one could lift him up. It's the best. It's great. Yeah. Al Davis is literally dressed in the color gold. It's one. Of, uh, listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 70s oakland raiders is is they should have just stopped having sports after that that team was so great it was so funny oh we're a bunch of drug addict criminals that are owned by the guy who literally is mr burns yeah al davis for those of you who don't know the owner of the oakland raiders how did he buy the oakland raiders he got the former owner drunk and they signed the papers over to him and then the nfl made a rule you can't get someone drunk and sign their piece of paper oh how many times did al he davis me too to man into the oakland raiders being his how many times did al davis sue the nfl uh i think the minimum's five that's great successful lawsuits that went to court is five Probably upwards of 18 other ones where he just yelled it at someone's fucking face. I'm suing you because I'm too drunk to <laughs> I can't get hard. I'm suing you. Uh, commitment to excellence, Raider Nation. So, Jim Neidhart, he went to school at UCLA for a shot put, held a shot put record at UCLA for... What's the correlation to, between a rampant abuse of narcotics and shot put? Carrie Von Eric, Ultimate Warrior... Jim Neidhart. All you really have to do is throw the shot put, and then you got so much time on your hands. So much time to take stimulants. Kerry Von Erich did shot put? And the discus toss. He would have been in the Olympics, the ones that J Jimmy Carter boycotted. He would have been in the Olympics? Yeah. But then Fritz was like, no one outshines me in, <laughs> in this Kerry, you can't go to the Olympics because you'll have to play for the Soviets because technically speaking, I'm from East Germany, Texas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you ruined the gimmick, Olympics. Gotta put on a Russian accent to the Russians, and if they find out you're not Russian, then I'll kill them. Your mom's already dead in a way, in that I fucked someone and then you showed up. All right, I'm just looking at a video of Jim the Anvil Nightheart from Total Divas Sound Off. He looks pretty much the same as he did in WCW, if just a little yeah. bit more Florida. Just for Men clearly worked out for him. Uh,. We'll talk about the end of his life, but it's very, it's very sad. YOLO. He's just, he basically, um, you know how I'm sure some of you out there had a dad that who had a couple who on the weekends would have a couple too many pops and show up at 3 a.m. and your mom would ask no questions. Jim the Anvil Nightheart was like that, but with crack cocaine because he was a wrestler. He did that for 20 years. Yeah. 
Does Natalie Neidhart live with her fucking family in this show? Yeah, and Lana lives there. Like, they just set the show up to be like, Jim's doing something wacky, and then... Like, they just make Jim out to be this, like, super agreeable... Like, Lana tries to get him to teach him how to shot put, but they do it in the driveway for some reason, and then Lana destroys a car. It's it's very... Bo- more boring meet the osbournes but anyway explain to me this let's talk about this okay um oh yeah no i'm i'm now watching the clip where he's destroying the car they're not even in a driveway they're literally in a roundabout and they had to move the car yeah. to be there yeah of course yeah vince mcmahon it's the most fake reality show i've ever seen literally a billionaire cannot make television oh yeah well this is this show is as real as professional wrestling in that it is a hundred percent real so Jim the Animal Neidhart went to UCLA. Um, he held the California State shot put record in high school for a high school competition for 12 years. Very, very nice. And then he was kicked out of school uh, when he spent... He was sentenced to a month in prison. He did 21 days of it. And this was because he was given grades. Uh, because even the guys who the school isn't that proud of still get to knock out a class. Isn't that fun? Hey, listen... Goddamn athlete, and it's still the fucking 70s, and sports are better than books. Nerd, 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 nerd. Also, he claimed that he saw Charles Manson at UCLA. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure he he um, probably got along with him pretty good. He probably did. They were like, he just, hey, Charlie, how you doing? I got a beer, too. Do you want to fuck? <laughs> well, here's what I like about Jim Neidhart. He just sees, he, from the outside, it seems he's huge, dumb, and agreeable. Hey Jim, you're gonna you're gonna lose a match to this tired dog. Okay, <laughs> that's my Jim Neidhart. <laughs> get better as yeah. I can't talk too loud because I already farted too much in this Airbnb. You can they could I knew they could hear me farting, so <laughs> I don't want to yell what I usually yell. <laughs> so I'll just say it quietly. <laughs> the idea, I, the idea of someone just walking about your room, just hearing bop. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was it was very like uh, movie farts, like one of those. <laughs> Here's my impression of Jim the Anvil Nightheart meeting uh, Charles Manson. Hey Charles, that Sharon Tate's a real bitch. Anyway, here's some meth. Bye bye. That's what happened. Sounds right to me. Um, so the year is 1979. He uh, got into wrestling by meeting a gym owner who crossed the street and said, "You have a million dollar body in wrestling." He introduced him to Mike. So, so, so terrifying. Like, <laughs> only wrestlers and porn stars have stories that big guy crosses the street yeah. and ends with, and then I did crack with a guy named Dynamite. Isn't it crazy that, like, Jim the Anvil Neidhart has the same origin story of how he got in entertainment as, like, Pamela Anderson? Wasn't Where it's like, but what, this, guy's got a, this guy's got a nice creepier, body actually. on him. I think Pamela Anderson... Well, she was just on TV and everyone was like, I want to fuck her. <laughs> Pamela Anderson was in the stands of like a, a CFL game and someone saw her and was like, she's the face of my lube company. Look at those jugs. <laughs> saying her disco- saying she was discovered is just a way better say- way of saying it. And, uh, and a man noticed nice jugs. <laughs> and, then, and then a businessman found something he could use. <laughs> this is why i like about jim the nfl nightheart though he basically this gym promoter says i like you you have to but first look at my weenie now go to Stu hart and he'll just 
grab you. And uh, Stu, Jim, the, Jim the Anvil Nightheart, the only person I've ever heard this about, one time Stu grabbed him and caught him off guard. And Jim hurt Stu Hart because he was in his early 60s. And Stu Hart was like, well, that's the reason my fingers tingled till the end of my life. And it's like, oh, yeah, because you just attacked a guy. And he beat you up. Yeah. Like it should be. And what I like is that Stu makes this sound like it's an insult to Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Yeah. <laughs> that guy doesn't know how to fight. You can't. You gotta just like being fucked. <laughs> so here's who Jim Hart, Jim the Anvil Nightheart was taught to wrestle by. Bruce Hart and some Japanese guys. Yes. And by the way, what do you think? <laughs> we can only speculate on what Stu Hart thought those Japanese men were. Uh, Helen, there's ghosts again. <laughs> <laughs> Helen. Helen. Uh, I guess uh, who taught me to wrestle? Uh, I guess it was Bruce Hart and uh, nine Jackie Chans. <laughs> uh, either Smith is taking some of his smoking things. Who made my fingers tickle and also is the reason that I jack off sometimes, but have not had another kid. Ellie, <laughs> you be his bride. You're the only one of us who knows how to read. <laughs> Jim Nightheart, a man from L.A. in the 60s, for sure saw the Watts riots, was the most balanced person in the Hart family. Because even Brett, who everyone loves... Yeah, and he was like, well, at least Jim just knows how to do some crack. <laughs> yeah. Unlike Smith, like, imagine how fucking weird Smith Hart has to be that we don't know what that guy did. We know he smoked. Like, I don't know that, but, like, you look at every member of the Hart kids and you're like, you guys all fucking export A's, blue pack. Well, yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're father basically it's just your first memories are men screaming and then you think it's funny so you tape it like you're gonna be fucked when your dad's your bully you're gonna smoke players <laughs> when your dad's everyone's yeah, bully export a please that should be the slogan for export a when your dad's everyone's bully that's a very good point and also putting down players like oh what your pussy ass dad can bully only one person smoke export a's no that's when your dad is roundly abusive I'm just Googling Hart family smoking and see. I mean, cigarettes aren't going to be the thing that comes up, John. What is going to come up? Bret Hart smoking. He definitely. The amount of people I know that have asked that guy's asked for weed leads me to believe he smokes cigarettes. Anyway, Dylan, what continued with uh, Jim the Anvil Nightheart? Did he make 25 to $30 a night going into a wrestling ring and getting beaten up by a variety of Japanese men and also probably Bruce Hart? Yes. He worked for Stampede Wrestling from 1978 to 1983, where he married Ellie Hart, one of Stu's daughters, and then had his first match against Duke Myers. Yipes. Also, he uh, learned quickly that he is no longer in Los Angeles. Can you imagine going from Los Angeles to Calgary, Calgary first of all? And then, of course, Davy Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid doing some of their fun ribs, such as an autistic man showed up. Because he wanted to be a wrestler, so Davey and Dynamite told him to drink a combination of vodka, chewing tobacco, Valium, and speed. They got him to drink it, and then uh, the kid didn't know what the fuck was going on, and his mom showed up and uh, yelled at them. Sounds about right. That's a fun rib. Yeah. Oh, we, we, almost ki- uh, we almost killed this guy. End of prank. Ted Bundy, one of the most famous ribbers of all time, he ribbed over uh, 100 women. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm more of a big fan of Otis Toole, who was a great worker. 
Um, he uh, he ribbed over a hundred people and then blamed a lot of it on corrupt uh, cops who were also ribbers. Man, how come Dynamite Kid isn't dead yet? <laughs> He's just not. Well, I mean, I guess he lives in he lives in a shell. He is evidence that he is evidence that hell is real and that the devil's like, nah, I don't need that guy down here. Well, I guess I mean he is in a very bad way, which. Oh yeah, he's but he's been in a very bad way for twenty years. That's good. He's had a screw coming out of his foot for twenty years. Good. I think that the more you read about Dynamite Kid, it's like Davy Boy Smith is like, I got an idea. Let's get in a little bit of fun. How about how about we put we put uh, uh, water in the glass and then milk on top of it so they drink milk that does taste a lot like water. How about I piss in the milk and then. There's cum in it, and it's just cum. All that. <laughs> like, that's like, I don't know, maybe Davy Boy was also the impetus of all the ribs, but it just seems like Dynamite Kid was like, he was like, ooh, I put I put his hand in water so he pees when he gets up. I put a gun in his mouth and told him if he doesn't make me cum, he dies. Yes. It's a rib. Well, what it basically is is that, like, I think what would happen is Davy Boy Smith would be like, oh, I met the Rougeau brothers, and then Dynamite Kid would be like, I know how we'll be friends with them. I've killed one of their wives. <laughs> like, here's how bad of a person Dynamite Kid was. One Jacques Rougeau punched him in the face with a lock. Mm-hmm. And every, the road agents knew this. George the Animal Steel was the road agent, and his exact reaction was, yeah, that's about right. That's good. Yeah, exactly. No one really cared. So... Jimmy and Mike, Jim the Anvil, he's been a wrestler for four years. He's going to sow his wild oats. He's doing tag teams a lot. And so what he does is he goes, he was in Georgia Championship Wrestling for a minute. Obviously, his Stampede Wrestling background is behind him. He goes to Mid South, where Jim the Anvil Neidhart, who uh, was alive in the 1970s in America, said the racism really shocked him. Well, he is coming from Calgary and California, where there isn't the racism is hidden in both of those places. And then you go to the South, and you look like Jim the Anvil Nightheart, where everyone would be like, "Well, he's got to be on our side." And they're like, "Hello, boy. Have you met my table? His name is Cleophas. Ah, uh, that's a black woman. I think you'll find it's a table." <laughs> well, well, well. He was. Uh what he was subjected to a lot of it was because he was always a tag partner of like the junkyard dog or butchery and uh he would just get attacked on the way to the ring yeah that's right like the thing like remember cowboy bill watts cowboy bill watts doesn't consider himself a racist basically because he knew junkyard dog and to the the cowboy that makes sense because he's like well i was i spoke I spoke to one black person. Do you understand that most of the people that gave me money didn't even know they spoke English? Yeah, it's not a it's not a good it's not a good place. Must <laughs> be not a good place. He played on the Oakland Raiders in the seventies, and he learned racism was a thing. That's insane. Like, do you know how racist you have to? You know how racist you have to be for everyone to be like, well. What I saw before couldn't be racist, so it must be this now. Yeah, the he uh, grew his his beard during this time. He's really starting to sew up his look. There's a really great to backtrack a bit. There's a really great Stampede Wrestling thing where uh, Jim Neidhart beats a guy in a match, and then he comes out and just tells the crowd Hulk Hogan's going to be there, and then explains that he will not be wrestling Hulk Hogan, but he would like to. Like he's just he's just the ultimate team player. You go over his career. 
And it's like... Well, he is up to a point. What is interesting is the crack use. Because you would think that a man that this balance wouldn't need demons, but I think part of it's just sort of like, go and tell them there's Hulk Hogan, then you can come back here and sit down. You got it. I don't think it was... All right, he was just a wrestler. He was in the 80s, first of all. So he had money in the 80s. So he started doing blow. And then someone was like, hey, why don't you smoke it? It's quicker. And he's like, quicker? I got things to do. I'm a moving and shaking. And he smoked it. And he was like, well, this is, (laughs) I want more now. I think that's pretty much the story there. Because there's no, here's the fucked up thing about it. There's not really any stories of him being so fucked up. Like, usually with a guy with this much fucking problems with uh, substances, there's some stories like, yeah, he was in that match, and then he just took his dick out, and he said, this is my dick move, and he started shitting. (laughs) It was good because he shat instead of pissed. But, like, there's no, there's nothing with that with Jim Neidhart. It's just he finishes the match, calmly walks to the back, and then Stan sleeps until he gets paid in uh, drugs. Yeah, but there is also all of the people that partied with him that were fucked up as a result. Like, Davy Boy Smith and him were the party animals of the Hart family, which is terrifying. And they stay, the summer of 1992, to hear Bret Hart tell that they just did crack for an entire summer. Like, no sleep, just crack. And Davy Boy showed up not knowing the match. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> oh, yeah, you and me both, brother. It must be. It must be insane that, like, because Brett is just calmly talking about himself and he's the best wrestler, and then Jim Nehart's like, I'm going to be doing crack. If I'm not going to get a word in edgewise, I'll be on crack. Thank you very much. Well, no one also talks about that Bret Hart's book is literally just like, I'm a great wrestler, and guess what? I cheat on my wife. Oh, yeah. Well, he's like... The other, the other thing, uh, that wasn't such a good match because sometimes after I fuck uh, six women at the same time, which I do all the time, my dick is so big that it drags. <laughs> anyway, Shawn Michaels unprofessional. <laughs> that's the whole book. Yeah. I did not sleep with Sonny. That said, that's because she doesn't deserve it. <laughs> Listen, a lot of people think I was left with Sonny, and that's because it wouldn't fit in her tiny one. It's very small. Such as Son Michaels. That's why they could have sex, because his is small, too. Yeah. My dick is as big as Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash is only six inches uh, t- or seven inches tall. He's always been wrestling in my dick. <laughs> um, so they... 1985, uh, as we all know, Stu Hart basically sells Stampede Wrestling to Vince McMahon. He sells the territory to Vince McMahon with the deal being, uh, you got to let my boys come in. That being like Davy Boy, Dynamite, Nightheart, and Brett is the major players there. And uh, Bret Hart was supposed to be brought in as Cowboy Bret Hart. Uh, Yeehaw! But... Before this, they actually had paired Jimmy Hart with Jim Neidhart for a short time, and then they decided to bring Brett in as part of the Hart Foundation, um, and they wore pink because, as Jim Neidhart said, it made them seem gay, which, as we all know in wrestling, is bad. Very interesting, the different perspectives on why they wore pink. She says it, He says it's because it made them look gay, and Brett says it, it made them unique and stand out. It's just like, no, that's two different things, mate. I think it's probably both. Could be both. It's probably both. That's made them stand out because like, and I mean, this is going to sound insane. And I've obviously, 1985 was the year I was born. So I don't know the mindset back then. Oh, you don't? I do. Like. I do. I do. I'm a sociologist. I'm a student. Okay, go. What was the mindset? Mm. Go for it. No, Dylan, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction. 
I'm going to take a big swing at it, and you know what I'm going to do? Hit it out of the park. I think it was probably like the frustrating thing. They just wore pink, which made people not like them, and then just never addressed it. And then that's, you don't have to be like, I'm wearing pink. I'm a big sissy boy. They just wear pink, so everyone thinks they're already sissy boys. And there's uh, some really good promos during this time uh, where Brett can't speak, essentially. And then Jim Neidhart does 90% of the talking, and Brett goes, Yeah, plus I like to kick. <laughs> and then Jim Neidhart laughs, and they leave. He was so much... He was like a finished product at this point, seven years in. Brett's not even close to it. Brett just kept on getting better and better. The thing with it also is that this is when Neidhart really fucking works. Like, Neidhart works here, and then Neidhart yeah. is awesome when he's backing up. Neidhart essentially is... Giant bully shithead fuck. Yeah. He's what... It, it sounds weird, but uh, he's the role that Arn Anderson had in The Four Horsemen, but Arn Anderson was a bit too good of a wrestler for that to be his only role. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do actually kind of know what you mean. Basically, what you're saying is is that he's he's the perfect sort of enforcer for all of it, and it really... Yeah. Actually, to be honest, that the perfect person to have ever been the enforcer role besides Arn Anderson would be Neidhart, and it's actually the look you want. The only difference is that Anderson's promos are better, and his in work, uh, his in ring work, not even in the same league. Yeah, not even close. Yeah, Neidhart looked fucking intimidating. You got him in the ring, and he's like, "Careful, he's gonna sunset flip and then fall down." He does a tackle because he used to play football, and here's his other move, standing outside waiting for other people to do stuff. <laughs> it's just like huge. Like even in like 96 when he's do- when they're trying to get people pumped up for him, and he's in WCW, sorry, like 98, his finishing move is a tackle. Like that's that's what he's got for you. Oh, yeah. he was one. Of- he's the one of the worst wrestlers on every wrestling video game I've ever played. Like you never wanted to be Jim the Anvil. Yeah. <laughs> It was one of those things where you learned Jim the Anvil and Neidhart had a finishing move, and then you would see a match, and you'd be like, holy shit, he does have a finishing move. <laughs> He's one of those guys who was just around. It was like, stroke beard, stroke beard, laugh at other people's things, at the end of the promo, come in and yell. But like I said, he peaks in 98, it sounds weird, but he's the he's a perfect 80s wrestler, and then as soon as you get into the 90s, and any sort of realism goes into wrestling, just kill him. Jim the Neidhart is done. Yeah, it's done. It's totally done. He's not. He's okay in '97 by virtue of the fact, you know what I mean. But as as soon as they're doing any sort of realism and he can't just do weird shit, he's now the worst. But that will not the worst. But like that being said, all these promos in '86 are hilarious. The 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 one where they make fun of the British Bulldogs for having a dog as their manager, where they just say, uh, (laughs) "What's a female dog called?" And then the interview goes a bitch, and then him and Brett laugh for 15 seconds. Still makes me laugh. They're like, you said a dirty word. I still want to know what they thought <laughs> the <great>. answer was. <laughs> well, they were like, a bitch is your manager. And then they laugh and leave. Also, Nightheart would also talk about how the Hart Foundation was a building sometimes. <laughs> and it's very funny. Oh, yeah, no, no. We got a lot of cars at the Hart Foundation. By sometimes you mean most promos, he would talk about how you think you can crack the foundations. Yeah, you think I can crack the foundation? Well, the foundation's a big building. We have a lot of things. We have a gym. And then you just start listing off things that were in the foundation. Heart. Just screaming. Blood. Brett. Ellie. <laughs> pipes. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't know any, like, things. He just knows people. I know nine things. Here they're all. But this is when he does make sense, to get back to your other point, because this is when Brett does the work in the ring, 
and Jim does the talking, and then that's how we're a team. Absolutely. Now, they stop being heels because Jimmy Hart sells their contract over, and here's how you know they stop being heels. Brett's sunglasses change, and Jim the Anvil Nightheart starts wearing a beret to the ring, and it's an absolutely seamless transition. <laughs> Just one of the best things where Nightheart never changed his attire and every time he tried to it looked so dumb <laughs> just a beret when they were wearing instead of like leather jackets these weird hockey winter jackets oh yes yeah. please or the sergeant pepper's jackets they had oh it was all fucking phenomenal it was sergeant pepper's jackets with long ass tassels like brett quietly wore those he wore it well yeah he but he also wore sergeant pepper's-esque jackets like, do you remember the jacket he was wearing to re- he wore to the ring at WrestleMania 13, where he like he looked like a fucking like easy listening star? It was horrendous. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up right now. Bret Hart WrestleMania 13. It's flowing. But they basically uh the uh, to synopsize some shit. Uh, Hart Foundation wins the titles uh twice. They win the tag titles twice. Once as heels. Uh, once as baby faces. They do a babyface turn because basically they're starting to turn Bret Hart and they'll notice that women get fucking juicy ass pussies when they look at Bret Hart's fucking face. Who doesn't, right? mate? It is the 80s. And uh, and then Nightheart uh, helps Bret Hart after Bad News Brown double crosses him in a uh, battle royal. And then they start to feud with Jimmy Hart tag teams. Uh, they feud with the Rougeau brothers a bit. And... They have great matches with the Rockers along the way. The feud with Demolition. Great feud with the great feud with the Nasty boy, Boys. Only in terms of the promos yeah. are literally this. Okay, this is the promos for the Nasty Boys feud. Let me be Brett, and then I'll be Jim. Set it up. This is Brett. Okay. Okay. Good to be here, Jim. <laughs> Once Bret Hart got more competent at talking, they really worked well promo-wise because uh, Jim would start screaming and then Bret would be like, it is true what Jim just said. We are two wrestlers. I will fight to the top. I will fight to the bottom. I'm here at the bottom and the top. And then Jim and Hart were like, you what the crazy thing about you is demolition is that I ate your dog full. No dressing. It was alive until I bit its heart. <laughs> it was great. And it sucks that he never found like a, they never just thought like, you don't really need to change this character. Just change his attire. That's all you need to do. Oh, but they never did it. Or maybe he never did it. Cause he just loved, uh, I mean, I'm going to say this about partying a lot. Uh, when you party a lot, you probably aren't thinking, what kind of pants am I going to wear? Also, here's three, here's two people he used to party with all the time, John, is... Andre the Giant and Jimmy Snuka. Oh my good God. <laughs> you call him the N-word, I'll hide the bodies. Yeah. Who knocked these women down the stairs? Doesn't matter, they're not people. <laughs> yeah, he used to say that it, the only person funnier, funner than partying with Andre was them, was partying with Jimmy Snuka. And then that's insane. Also used to party. A, also used to party Partying with a known murderer. A lot with um, uh, Road Warrior Hawk, which is just like that's man, crazy. pick a side. Did Jim Nightheart just like not being the biggest? Do you think his attitude towards drugs is like, well, I love drugs, but I don't want to be the biggest slob there. And then he would just be with Road Warrior Hawk, and Road Warrior Hawk's like, anybody in this bar. I'm going to lick your fucking face. 
The only thing is, I need to know you don't want me to. And Jim's like, oh, I'm at peace. <laughs> Here's the thing I want to know. Although your hawk's yelling, I'm just huffing all his gas. Here's the crazy thing about Jimmy Snooker. Outlived them all. Yes, no, no, he, he didn't. Did. No, he didn't. He died in uh, He died in January. Never mind. But how old was he? 73. Yeah. He had full 10 years older than Nightheart. Sometimes... Sometimes people's bodies just use the drugs to make it longer. <laughs> oh, no, this is like plastic wrap. We're not going to age for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't worry. You've made a blood sacrifice. You get to stay for a long time. <laughs> oh, gross. But uh, what we're going to say here is uh, we're going to cut it off and get back to you after a break. because What's coming up? Oh, The Heart Foundation is done. And now we're into Jim Nightheart has nowhere to go because... Ooh, baby. Nowhere to go but up. It's the new foundation. Can I just talk about quickly the one thing that the main... The interesting thing about the Hartford Inundation breakup is that they didn't have like a big dramatic like fight and Neidhart became a heel. It was just like, we don't do this now, we do other stuff. And everyone was like, all right, fine. Well, they had slowly positioned Brett like over the course of these five years as above Neidhart. So... And they'd also done that thing where Brett... Broke apart from Nightheart for a bit and then did really well. And everyone could kind of see that Brett was the star of the team. So it was kind of like, we don't need Nightheart and Brett to even feud. Let's just end this, you know? Yeah. And also keep in mind that they probably thought, let's just put Owen in the exact same position Brett's in. Because they had already started Owen as a blue blazer here and were like, we can get more mileage out of this if he's just Bret Hart's brother. Yeah. The end. Well, Dylan won that I'm argument. Smart. Ladies and gentlemen, see you after the break for when I talk about who for exactly 29 minutes. Who? This one will be even shorter. Patreon.com backslash rest of the review. You know why to go there, and if you don't, suck it. There's shit on my ass. Welcome fucking back to fucking Jim the Anvil fucking Nightheart with Dilla G and Johnny H. Hope you guys are wearing cloth so that you can see the Johnny Ace how moist or erect you're about to get as we enter into part two of our Jim the Anvil Nineheart deep dive. Finally, we've stopped all the annoying things about Jim the Anvil Nineheart, like that annoying time that he was in that tag team that no one remembers. And now let's talk about the good tag team he was in, the new foundation, where him yes. and... Uh, Owen Hart dressed like uh, race car drivers from a future that was inside an in living color sketch, and they were race car mechanics. <laughs> they did. They dressed like. Um, I'm gonna actually look something up because maybe it's true. Uh, they dressed. Um, they dressed like. No, they didn't. I thought the new foundation. I thought they were like. Let's just dress like new edition. That's what I thought. <laughs> you probably along the like that is the fashion of the time, and I bet you that like something along those lines that's where that came from because fuck me do they yeah, look they, like assholes yeah they they probably saw one episode of the fresh prince of bel-air and then vince was like that but stupider yeah <laughs> that's how they that did it. but with whites <laughs> oh no john no it's true though uh nightheart um hated uh what they dressed like and of course and his response was, do drugs. Their, fir- their first feud was with the Beverly Brothers. If you guys don't remember the Beverly Brothers, they were the tag team that was managed by the genius. The genius is Lanny Poffo. Lanny Poffo can suck his own dick and doesn't wipe his asshole. 
<laughs> that is not a lie. Listen to our Lanny Poffo episode. Those are two true things that he borderline brags about. Actually, not borderline. Not borderline. He fucking brags there is about. There's no, no, absolutely no borderline in that whatsoever. Hunt, welcome to some truths. What broke up the new foundation, and it was maybe the greatest heel in wrestling history? Um, was it the drug abuse? Yeah, okay, it was, yeah, it was the crack cocaine. So here's my favorite thing about this synopsis is he was fired on February 16th in 92, refusing to take a drug test and throwing a television monitor backstage, which is so funny because if you're refusing to take a drug test, don't immediately prove that you're on drugs. (laughs) I don't need to take a drug test. Anyway, I'm going to vandalize something in the middle of the afternoon (laughs) like someone who's not on drugs would do. I see your point, but you're wrong. Because wouldn't a sober person be so upset about having to being asked about a drug um, test that they would throw a television? That's actually true. Yeah, like this You've is like if someone was like, "Hey, Dylan, are you lo- drunk?" How does it feel to be beat like, by logic, you fucking idiot? Dylan, are you drunk? Well, the fact that you would even ask me that I'm if I'm drunk makes me want to order four Big Macs and fall asleep halfway through the first one. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's the same shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Dylan, are you? Um, have you been eating nothing but lasagna the last five days? Uh, to prove that that's not true, allow me to fart for a day and a half. <laughs> no. A good one sounds like a slide whistle. I'm gonna rent this. I'm gonna rent this apartment near pigeons that will, for some reason, activate my gastric bypass. I've had a stroke. Dylan, keep talking. Ooh, yeah. There's pigeons outside my window, and I'll throw this out there. I understand how Mike Tyson had pigeons as pets. It's nice. <laughs> it's, not, it's nice having birds around. Anyway, even if they are pigeons, legit. So, Jim... 47 pigeons, not 46, not 48. Jim Neidhart goes to WCW in 1993, beats five jobbers, and one of his last matches is against Shanghai Pierce. Who the fuck is Shanghai Pierce, John? Shanghai Pierce is Smith Hart's alter ego that lives inside his ear. It's not me that still lives in the house. It's Shanghai Pierce. I have to go cry. <laughs> Ooh, I just did cocaine. Now I'm Shanghai Pierce. So it's, keep in mind, it, WCW, it's 1993. This is Bill Watts era, and it's an Asian man. I'm going to say that it's... It's not an, It's an Asian character. Paul Diamond. Close. Henry O. Godwin. Damn. That's good, though. Isn't that fucking amazing? Was he even in a mask, or did they just be like... Your first name's Shanghai. That's Asian enough. Come out. You're eating chow mein. People will get the gist. Get the fuck out there, Henny. Yeah, walk out there, sell some opium, blah, blah. Go ahead. <laughs> if anyone has more than two kids, set them on fire. You know how it is. <laughs> yeah. Ask anyone if they're a woman. If they are, kill them or something. I don't really read the history books anyway. <laughs> um... But then uh, after that really nice run in WCW, basically he kind of he just goes undefeated. The undefeated WCW wrestler Jim the Anvil Nightheart um, comes back in 1994 in what I think is one of the most well-managed heel turns in history because he comes back. Everyone's excited. Him and Bret Hart, ooh baby, the found he's he's Bret Hart's backup against uh, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels, of course, um, after the match, him and Diesel do a beatdown. Of Brett the Clitman Hart and uh, Nightheart doesn't help him, and then he shows up later for Owen's match and helps Owen win the King of the Ring. Just a really, and then does a whole, does the whole uh, you've been trying to hold Owen back. Fuck it's you. It's so much better than that because it's also 
it's introduced in that King of the... It made that pay-per-view... Because uh, I remember watching that pay-per-view as a kid. And when you were a kid renting pay-per-views from Blockbuster Video like months later, it was fucking crazy because you're like, holy shit. Because you wanted to see Jim the Anvil Nightheart come back. Like he was already on television, all this stuff. You knew yeah. he was with Owen, but there was something about like he comes back and even watching the paper, you're like, wait, he came back with Brett and then he fucked him up. Like, whoa. And it was this whole thing of Jim made sure that Brett kept the title because he was going to make sure Owen. Was- and it was such yeah. old school booking in such a new shitty cartoon time. So good. And also Jim is just the perfect. This is literally the best role Jim Neinhardt could have at this time, which is like, just fucking stand there. Wear pink sunglasses that's it well that's the whole thing is that it kind of sounds fucked up but bret hart is such a worse promo as a heel when all right uh, i'll explain this in human words um it'd be nice because what you were about to do is morse code for the damned baby <laughs> bret hart when he was starting out with uh nightheart nightheart was so far ahead of him as a promo and in 94, Owen is getting his feet as this heel, and Owen is so good on promos, so all Nightheart has to do is stand in the back and laugh. That's it. And he's a tough. That's essentially it. He's a tough boy. He adds, Owen was so small for that time, like now he wouldn't be, but Owen was so small for that time, he gave a bit of legitimacy for Nightheart, and they get to do the whole feud around the world thing where... Wrestling fans knew who was related in the Hart family, so Brett and Davy Boy can team up and f- and fight Owen and Nightheart. It's really good stuff. Oh, it's great stuff. And then it also builds to that SummerSlam where they have what turned out to be a cage match that went 20 minutes longer than anyone wanted it to be, but they were like, fuck you and fuck you. And did the best oh, yeah. run-in, because they did this weird run-in where the Hart family was there, and Jim the Anvil Nightheart would, of course, be sitting there with his wife, and they're like, why are you sat here with them? And he's just like, I think Owen's going to win. I'm not going to do anything. And then he ran in at the end, Brett beat him, and then they went in, they nailed the fucking um, cage closed, and him and Owen beat the shit out of Brett, and then the Hart family had to climb over to fight him. It's fucking awesome. It's fucking great. Yes. Stu ended up fucking the lock and giving birth to a bunch of keys. (laughs) Now an impression of that. Yeah, <laughs> you a bicycle or you just have to be the That's horrible. Don't say it. Helen Hel- Hel- the Helen, you're really small now. Yeah. Helen, you feel so warm to the touch. Get that, Helen, it's a joke because I just fuck something that's metal and then it would be colder than you. But in this case, it's not because you've been dead for 30 years would explain my treatment of these children. Um, yeah, we got another letter from someone named Mr. S. King giving us rights to a book called The Shining. I don't know what that is. The only shining I know is when you give someone the rub and then they get the belt. <laughs> um, also, Nightheart is lucky enough to be on uh, Shawn Michaels' Survivor Series team shortly after this in 1994 uh, in the worst Survivor... When they used to... For those of you younger, uh, Survivor Series used to be four on four, so they would just loosely find a storyline to have four baby faces and four heels face each other, and they would automatically give the teams a name. Each team would have a name. And so it was the Hart family versus... The Teamsters. <laughs> yes. And why were they called the Teamsters? They're on a team. No. They're on a team? That's not why. Because they were unionizing and that's bad? It's because Diesel was also on that team and Diesel is a truck. 
Oh, yeah. (laughs) Isn't that great? If you're young and you only know cool Kevin Nash leaning on the ropes, maybe he's wearing a FUBU jersey in 1999, (laughs) because at that point he was the uh, most, uh, the man they allowed to be the most hip hop in that fucking, uh, in that fucking organization. Please do yourself a favor and go back to Babyface Diesel when all his stuff was like, <laughs> uh, here's my character. I believe wholeheartedly I'm a truck. <laughs> never forget. Always remember to never forget to know that for a time Kevin Nash played a man who was a truck. Like You didn't do really well as uh, the wizard or whatever, Oz, so now you're a truck. <laughs> Well, can't it be a badass that just, like, I call myself Diesel because I'm uncontrollable in the ring? No, no you're a no, truck. No, you're a truck, man. It's 1995. You're a fucking truck. Uh, you know, uh, tall that's boy. you. You're a truck. <laughs> if you could, while you're wrestling, go... <laughs> I'm starting. Yeah, if you could really rev my engine, that'd be good. Put your key... Put key if you could stab yourself with keys to be like, I'm on now, to the point where it's, there are keys are in your body and you're bleeding, that would be great. Yeah, your finishing move is that you have to pull into a garage. <laughs> um, your finishing move is someone gets out of you and murders two hookers. Go ahead, Dylan. So here, all right, this is the rest of the podcast now. But Jimmy and Evan and smoke some weed. Weed stays in your system for a while. They drug test him. He fails. So what happens? Okay, let me guess. He throws a TV monitor. <laughs> <laughs> no he forms a reggae band and that band is now known as the- smash mouth uh, yes. yeah oh fuck of course jimmy anvil the nightheart invented ska with the other members of smash mouth uh i think you'll find the planet smashers predate them thank god finally some qu- no ska. the plant the planet smashers stole the name the part of the, the part of their band name smash and they also stole ska i don't think i've met anyone who says i really like I don't think I've met anyone who's like, I really love ska music that I haven't immediately wanted to, like, I've wanted to fuck them to death. So you're turned on. (laughs) In a way, yeah. It's it's fair to say that you're turned on to a point that you don't know what to do and you never want it to stop, the sexual experience. But with a soft dick. It would be a soft dick. It would be soft the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like a new thing. I wish I could teach myself to do that. Just kill someone with a soft dick? No, just have a soft one. Oh, wait, because you're perpetually hard? Yeah, because I've got, I'm too virile, too much testosterone. But you have a micro penis. That's one of my favorite things is when people are like, "Oh, I'm actually balding because I have too just too manly for." Yeah, you know that's not like hair. <laughs> Show me the Jean-Luc Picard-esque scientist that came up with that fucking excuse. I think the scientist was our friend Graham. Yeah, I think the scientist was often mentioned member of the universe, Graham K. That's at Graham K Comedy. If you want to just tweet him, we haven't done this in a while, just tweet him and remind him that wrestling's great and that he's a bad person for not liking wrestling. I don't think it's Graham K Comedy anymore. He changed it because when he when he when Twitter first came out, he thought he should Graham K was available, but he thought he should make it like, how will people know I'm funny if I don't put the word comedy there? <laughs> so he took comedy and then someone else took Graham K and now the guy won't sell it to him. It's fucking hilarious. That's why I think it's Graham K comedy or it might be funny Graham. Funny Graham. Anyway, find him. Find Graham K and troll him. If you're an internet if you're an internet troll, troll Graham K. We can't say we have a wrestling podcast. This could end very badly. His mom will get a box with a foot in Good. it. Good. Who to Graham K would, j- would co- <laughs> crack it to Jim the Anvil Neidhart? Kill him slowly over a decade. But no one noticed. So 
basically they would make a bunch of Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler would make a bunch of who's on first style jokes, and then who would come out? Yes. Who is Jim the Anvil Nightheart in a big mask with a question mark? I thought who was in between New Foundation and his return uh, with Owen Hart. It is. Yeah. It is. Okay. It is in between them. Okay. I got, I thought. Oh no no no! Wait, New Foundation and his return. No, this is ninety six. This is like. Wait a minute. So who is? Oh dear God. So who is between? Owen Hart, Jim, the Anvil Nightheart Alliance, and Hart Foundation, We Don't Like America, America's Bad? That's terrifying. Yeah, and then he goes to Ultimate Championship Wrestling for a minute, which is, I realized, the... I don't know how you... I've mentioned it a couple times, but one time... Wrestling wasn't always on the internet, guys. And one time at 3 a.m., when I was staying up way too late, when I was 12, I saw... Looking for porn to yak off to? No, I don't even think... I think I was just... It was just a night where I had a lot of soda pop with my with my friend Matt, and uh, we saw the mirage that was Tatanka with a belt, like a world title, in some weird promotion, mm. and Marty Jannetty, and it was Ultimate Championship Wrestling, and I was like, oh my god, that's the thing I saw. When Tatanka, I was like, oh my god, Tatanka's the champion? Why is he so fat? <laughs> He's fat, and his arms are small. <laughs> Why has Tatanka been stung by all those bees? <laughs> Why is Tatanka eating rib sandwiches? Because <laughs> Tatanka's a man. Hey, take a shit standing up, and I piss standing up. Only time I sit down is to sleep. <laughs> Never lie down fully, because then you're prone. That's when Stu puts his penis hold up. That's the Canadian national anthem in the heart. Yeah, house. that's the Canadian national anthem in my house as well. Stand for the national anthem. Uh, Helen, here's a wet pussy stew. Is fun to fuck. <laughs> Helen won't give to the finances because you spend all the money on margarine. Well, Helen, investment the payoff. <laughs> so... After that short uh, respite, he comes back in the WWF as part of the Hart Foundation, America is Bad, and a lot of stuff that essentially Bret Hart said, uh, I'm sorry if you're from the United States, but still stands today. <laughs> it's 21 years later, and you could be this same type of heel, where basically Bret Hart just says, we have social... Well, I mean, he obviously wrestles wrestling is it up a bit, but basically goes like, "We uh, have health care for anybody and no guns. You, lots of guns. No one can read." And everyone's like, "Boo, boo, honesty, boo." And then he started being like, "There, there's gonna be a lot of shootings once iPhones come out." And everyone's like, "What?" And they're like, "You'll understand." Basically, Bret Hart, <laughs> Bret Hart played a woke guy, and no one liked it. <laughs> wow, that's, that's basically what he was. Yeah, he was just a woke man. No, there is some super uncomfortable stuff um, where Bret Hart starts talking about race, and you're like, I mean, even these broad strokes, what you're saying isn't okay. Just Bret Hart talking about race is like, mm, I don't like this, Bret. <laughs> I'll tell you who does, though. Who? Bret. Bret, like. Oh, I thought the answer was going to be who, like. The Jim the Anvil Nightheart character. Who's talking? Yes, he is. Who? That was the whole reason that character was around, by the way, is that joke. Yeah. Welcome to welcome to Vince McMahon's head. Vince watched Abbott and Costello. Not even all of it. <laughs> yeah, he watched the beginning. He was like, I get where they're going. Ha ha ha. Time for two characters. One, Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. The other one, who? 
Steve Austin is closing in on Bret Hart, who at this time is injured. Bret, maybe the best... How, how crazy is it, by the way, that so many heels, the best part of their career is not when they're in the ring. It's when they're injured and they still have to do promos. Because this is probably the best Bret Hart ever is as a heel. He's in a wheelchair. Oh, it's the best. Uh, yeah, Stone Cold's worked his way through all the rather member of the Hart Foundation. Bret is alone and prone. Stone Cold's going to fuck him up. And then Jim the Envil Nightheart comes out. And the crazy thing is, here's how unsung his return is. I watched both his return and then his return the next week. And the only thing that happens is, Brett, they're all in the ring. And Brett says, Jim the Anvil Nightheart's back. People kind of cheer. And then the show fucking continues. <laughs> we ain't got no fucking time for you to get a pop, Jim. You come up with everybody. You're essentially a lawn chair we brought. Yeah, Jim, you're, you're here because we don't want to fucking hear about it at brunch. <laughs> but this is why he's so interesting really in this funny. because he's so unnecessary but because he's also part of it it weirdly i remember watching this being like yeah this makes sense no he's great he's great in this because he does little things like this really little thing that i really like is that so brett has a broken leg at the or sorry he had he had surgery um he's toward acl and he has his leg up at all times, like legit surgery he has. And Nightheart does this great thing where he's always touching his shoulder. He's always touching his shoulder. He's not only close to him, he's literally always touching him. He's either he's either pushing him in the wheelchair or he's when they're standing still, he's right next to him with one hand on Brett's shoulder. The basically thing is like, you have to beat the shit out of me. We should also explain at this time, if you were injured in wrestling because it was so competitive and it was the very beginning of the Monday Night Wars. You literally just went on TV injured. Yeah, unless you were The Rock, in which case they were like, we need to overhaul this. Yeah, unless you were The uh, the Rock getting uh, uh, a boob job, then what they would... No, he wrestled through the boob job. Oh, yeah, that's why he wore a short a shirt for like seven months. Yeah, that's where he wore, that's where he wore warm-ups for, yeah. He won the title in NBA warm-ups. That's very funny that he did wear run the title in NBA fucking warm Ew... He had a surgery, so he wouldn't have such big tetes. He had a surgery. Look at you. You're so cute. I'm a big fucking... <laughs> You're not, man. So after, uh, of course, uh, he's standing there. Flash forward seven months. The Montreal Screwjob happens. And night, and they completely... This is like usually when they have a guy lose on the way out, it's kind of on the undercard and like this guy doesn't even matter. So who cares? But they make a big deal out of this because it's the Monday Night War. Nightheart asks to join DX. They say yes. And then they beat him up, spray paint WCW on his back. He actually is in WCW in 1998. Yeah, he is. What does he do in WCW? Hangs out with Davey Boy Smith, walks to the ring to this weird entrance music, gets paid a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah, the WCW, 300K a this year, is, This is the biggest insult. Davey Boy Smith, I'm going to need 100 grand for you to leave. Jim the Anvil Nightheart, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what I like about Nightheart. He says he, uh, he made $300,000, and then he took that to Canada when the exchange rate was fucking crazy. Like, late 90s in Canada, it was basically like... We have listeners all over, but it's basically like what Canadian dollars are to the pound now. It was like Canadian dollar was 60 cents for one American dollar. So he basically turned that into $500,000 in Canada and just bought a bunch of nice cars. I like that. His wife probably was like, could you buy some food for us, Jim? Ah, ha, 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 ha. Shut up. <laughs> no, I imagine like 
here's my here's my imagining of Jim Neidhart's home life. Hey, uh, Jim, would you mind up picking up groceries? Oh, what do we need, Ellie? Well, we're gonna need um, we need lettuce, uh, romaine if you can find it, spinach, onion, sweet potato, uh, crack. You pick how much, and then just the rest of normal groceries, and that's it. And they're just like, oh, Nat- Natty is being such a troublesome teen now. Oh, the terrible teens. Anyway. Let's go do rails and fuck up the ass. <laughs> it's just they were just like a normal family. <laughs> they were like an ABC sitcom, but then they just sat in bed smoking crack. Like that was that's what I imagine it was. I also don't ever picture Ellie smoking crack. I although her being in the Hart family, I'm being crazy that she wasn't definitely smoking crack as well. It would be funny if they were in the suburbs and it was like, yeah, Dave's likes to smoke a bit of pot. He likes to cut loose. Jim likes to cut loose too. He, right now, he's doing rails in his Camaro with uh, and just driving as fast as he goddamn can. Well, they are in Calgary. Like there is nothing more Calgary than oh that large boned man just got off an airplane with an uh, with a half a million dollars. Uh, we can't use the phone because it's been cut off. Don't worry, he just bought two trucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why is your husband pouring bleach on cocaine? Oh, that's diet cocaine. He hasn't done full cocaine for a while. <laughs> Yeah, um, quick question. Yeah, hi, Mrs. Nyhart. Um, why are you? Um, why is it just say the uh, the Indians did it next to what is clearly a human poo that's just on your kitchen table? <laughs> Jim had some friends over. <laughs> Poker night. <laughs> Poker night. <laughs> um, so. Nightheart basically is in WCW and now, and you could say this is a dumb signing and whatever, but they made a lot of money in 1998, and it was, I'm going to say this, solely because of Jim the Anvil Nightheart. No, uh, they had to come up with three shows, Thunder Starts, and uh, they still have WCW Saturday Night, so what Jim Nightheart does is he beats people on WCW Saturday Night, and one of those people is a couple match series he has with Roadblock, <laughs> whose character is, he's a roadblock. He's a pylon. <laughs> it's the best. Drive around him. Yeah. <laughs> which way are you going to go? Beat him by waiting. I said, which way are you going to go? <laughs> yeah, he has a he has a close match with Roadblock where he has to cheat to win, and that's what tells you how much they think of Jim the Anvil Nightheart. He, of course, pretty much is outside of wrestling uh, from 1998 up until um, 2007 when he returns as the Dopey Jim on Total Divas, and I will say this. Don't watch Jim the Animal Hire match. Basically, watch 1980s promos with the Heart Foundation, and then just watch him be like, "Jim, can you start the car?" And he goes, "Okay." And then he's like, "Ellie, I put a bunch of hamburgers in it, and it's not working." And then they're like, "Jim, that's what he does in Total Divas." Plus, behind the scenes, doing blow. But. Do you ever wonder that Tyson Kidd like looks at his own shaky palms and is like, "This fucking half a stone." Just fell on his neck for 10 years and was allowed back in the ring. I have one stinger and now I have to be a producer for another Seamus segment. (laughs) I guarantee he's like thankful that he's with the most normal member of the Hart family. And he never thinks about what that means. He just says that to himself and proceeds with his day. Yeah, she's the most normal member of the Hart family. And he walks into a room and checking out what she says is a window, but we all know is a mirror. (laughs) Here's what I really like is uh, Nightheart, you can get him talking about this in a lot of interviews, where he just loves fanny packs, and this is why they pretty much put him in Total Divas, for sure, is that he, it's an interview point in a lot of things, where he's like, yeah, I love fanny packs, you can keep a lot of stuff in there. 
It's just like a, it's so funny. What? He's like, well, why don't you? He's like, do you have a better idea? Pockets are only so big. Will you keep your passport in your pockets? Someone take it? Fanny packs. And he says that if so, he sees someone else with a fanny pack, he <laughs> walks up to them and asks them where they got it, and they just talk about fanny packs. <laughs> oh, man. Nothing about that I don't like, baby. He went to rehab a couple times and was arrested uh, for trafficking drugs, which I'm sure that the reality of it is though he wasn't trafficking. That's just how much he uses. Yeah. Are you going to sell these 10 pounds of drugs to who? Ellie? She doesn't do it anymore. <laughs> sell it? What? Oh, you mean tonight? Yeah. <laughs> this is tonight's drugs. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't selling drugs. See, the crazy thing about flying is you can't park a car full of drugs on a plane anymore. <laughs> it's not the 80s. So I got to keep it in this fanny pack or these nine fanny packs, I should yeah. say. I'll tell you what, I keep my fanny pack. Drugs. Fanny pack's got my passport, my tickets, and my socks, and this carry-on is pure cocaine. Yeah. Who else wants to do cocaine? Don't unzip Let's unzip it. Oh, no, I've been... No, I spray-painted it. This is all cocaine that I <laughs> used the chisel to make look like luggage. Mm. I don't think you guys understand. I'm really fucked up. <laughs> now get the hell out of my way, talking elephant. I gotta go get in that Ferrari that <laughs> Dynamite's driving. Uh, let me ask you a question. What's your favorite thing about Jim Hart? The beard. Yeah. And why did he grow the beard, Dylan? He grew the beard because, uh, he wanted to fit in with Bill Watts. He was trying to scare Harry Smith. <laughs> That's really nice. I think my favorite thing about Jim Hart is his promos. Uh, he's very good. He was, uh, really unique. It's just that you couldn't put that out on TV now for five minutes. Because he would lose steam really big, easily, because all he did was talk about how he was a building and he was actually a human anvil. And then and then a lot of his matches, it was really funny because him, him as a baby face was like, I might win and I might not. And he would just start laughing. And then I was like, that's it. <laughs> that's the whole promo. That's great. What, what do you hate? What, what's the worst thing about uh, Jim Neidhart? He's in ring ability. <laughs> yeah, he was a boulder. He was a, he was a door, and they were like wrestle it. <laughs> yeah, like he doesn't know how to he doesn't know how to wrestle. I gotta say, the worst thing about him is his substance abuse because I care about families. Wow. Also, I don't know if the connection cut out or not, but either way, I think Dylan's a fucking idiot. I said my the thing I don't like about Jim the Anvil Nightheart is that he was addicted to crack cocaine. Oh. Well, that's better than cutting out. Well, I think you're wrong still. What do you, Oh, yeah. You still think it was his entering ability was worse than the fact he had... He, he cra- also, by the way, 63 doesn't sound like uh, like a f- full life. Like You'd like to think 63, you got another 20 years left at least. But this is a pro wrestler. He lived to be... He's essentially immortal in 80s pro Yeah, wrestling. he's essentially an old fucking tree at this point. Yeah, if you look... At him on Total Divas, the fact that he was that fat and still, like, he was off blow, but he did blow till his mid-50s, and he was that fat, he lived a full life. Yeah. He's a real goon. Yeah. So, that is, and not with a bang, but with a tear, that was Jim the Inville Nightheart, and next week we will be doing Brian fucking Pillman. Let's talk about a guy who died early. All right, let's tell this story for to prime the pump for next week. Jim Ross is walking through the bowels of the Omni. Jim the Anvil Nightheart walks up to him and says, I need to show you something. 
They walk to a commode where someone has been paid to watch the commode. He opens the door, and there is a perfect cylindrical shit um, that is so big, it is down the pipe of the toilet coming out the water, and Brian Pillman had taken great care not to break it off as it was coming out of his asshole. And that is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) (laughs) That is, see what that is. That's an actual prank. Mm -hmm. Here's my impression of that story. If it was the bulldogs and then, and then he made one of the the Rougeos eat it. Dynamite kid slit the Achilles tendon of Jim Ross (laughs) on the back of his foot and then made him crawl bloody to his wife, who British Bulldog was, of course, beating to death with a yeah, bat. Yeah, through that shit. Through the shit. It's, it's just a little prank, mate. Anyway, we froze all our shit and was stabbing your wife with it. Yeah. Brian Fillman is next week. Jim the Envoy and I here was this week. Please enjoy whatever motherfucking promo we've put on the goddamn end of this. Shit fuck ass. Please, goddamn, give to Patreon. Please give us your blood. We want your blood. Give us, tell us your blood type. I collect blood now. Send crack. I'm on crack. Okay, bye. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Referred to research being done at the Heart Foundation. Well, before we get into any other topics, just exactly, Anvil, what kind of research are you involved in at the Heart Foundation? Well, I'll tell you something, Ivy League. At the Foundation, Jimmy Hart has set aside many, many rooms for many, many different purposes. We got a high flying room. The Heart Foundation keep up with all high flyers. We got a weight room. We have one heck of a secretary who's very, very efficient. And we got a psychiatrist who analyzes and comes up with, with, with what's in the minds of our opponents. So we, have a, we have an advantage all the time because we know what they're thinking before they think it. Well, speaking of your opponents, I would imagine foremost on your mind, Anvil, and of course, Brett the Hitman's would be the tag team champions of British Bulldogs. You're always asking us questions. Always asking us questions. Well, let me ask you a question, all right? Be my guest. What exactly is a female dog? That's that one, Brett. Well, it's called a bitch, is the term. (laughs) A what? Oh, the, the terminology is a bitch. Referring to a female dog. <laughs> That's the bulldog's new manager. It's bad enough. It's bad enough that you gotta take orders from a dog, <laughs> but you gotta take orders from a bitch. <laughs> Boy, they're really using their brains, aren't they? They should have a foundation of their own. <laughs> Does she got a little tiny belt she wears around too? <laughs> Gorilla, what can I say? We'll be back with more great primetime action right after this. In- now, speaking of the hitman Bret Hart, he will square off against his own brother, the King of Hearts, Owen, for the WWF Championship, and the match will take place inside a 15-foot steel cage. Owen Hart, the King of Hearts, believes there is only one way that this match can turn out. You know something, Owen? I think that it is absolutely wonderful that you're finally receiving the respect and admiration from everyone that you rightfully deserve. Well, coming from you, Anvil, you know better than anybody what kind of a coward and a liar and a snake Brett is. He's a backstabbing partner. And Brett, when I fight you at SummerSlam, it's going to remind me just like of our childhood when we were little boys and you were a little older and a little bigger and you always picked on me, you teased me, and Dad would make us go down in the dungeon and we would settle our scores down there. Well, Brett, 
You used to beat me at one time, but I started getting bigger. I learned to fight back, and there came a point where I would beat you so bad, you were begging, and you were clamoring, and you were crawling to get out of there. You were scared. Well, you were shaking on your boots, Brett. You didn't want to fight me. You used to run to Dad and beg to get out of there. Well, it's the same thing at SummerSlam, 15-foot-high steel cage surrounding you and me, and nobody can come in there and save you, Brett. Dad is going to be helpless outside watching, and you're going to be helpless inside with me and it's going to be your worst nightmare, Brett, because I am the king of hearts. And when the smoke clears and everything is done in this vicious battle between you and me, I will not only be the king of hearts, but I will be WWF champion, brother.